This, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. It was in the Garden of Eden that our Lord's first words to man were, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. With these first words, our Lord established marriage. Adam and Eve. Two flesh come from the one flesh of Adam, for Eve was taken from the side of Adam. And now at this institution by the Lord, the two that had come from one will become one once more. Fast forward a few thousand years, and the Lord who established such a union comes to visit that most joyous celebration. How it must have warmed the heart of God to attend a wedding of two of his beloved created beings. It's at this joyous celebration that our Lord performs his first miracle. Now, the first of his miracles is arguably the well, most well-known of his miracles by pagans and by Christians alike. Is on the third day that Mary, Jesus, and his disciples are at a wedding, and a shameful thing happens, especially for us Lutherans. They ran out of wine. The celebration that would have gone on for days on end would now come to a screeching halt. And so Mary comes to her son and says, They have no wine. A simple statement. She didn't come begging for her son's assistance. No. She came to her God and her Lord and made her request known to him and placed the rest into his good and gracious hand. What a marvelous model that is for us today. And we go to our God and our Lord and we simply state what we are in need of and trust the rest to him. Now, it's in response to this statement that our Lord gives a statement that seems rather misogynistic to our 2023 ears. He says, Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. This seems rather cold and harsh. Perhaps if our mother was there, she would have washed Jesus' mouth out with soap for saying such a thing. But what does Jesus say to his mother as he is hanging on the cross and John, his beloved disciple, is standing next to her? Woman, behold your son. And to John, behold your mother. This is far from some kind of degrading statement that some may make this out to be. Here at the wedding and there at the cross, we have the first and the last words recorded of our Lord speaking to his mother. He continues, my hour has not yet come. His hour had in fact not yet come, for in John's gospel we know that the hour of which he is speaking is his cross. The hour where he will be lifted up for all to see for all to see his glory. 
My hour has not yet come. And then in response to this, Mary says the final words that we have recorded of her in all of Scripture. She speaks to the servants and says, do whatever he tells you. This is a great meditation for us as we speak to our families and friends that are part of the Roman Catholic Church who get carried away with the teachings on Mary. She doesn't want to stand in between you and your Lord. She doesn't want you to pray to her, to come to her. She says, do whatever he tells you. Pray to Jesus. Go to Jesus. Receive gifts from his hand. Do whatever he tells you. We are to draw near to our God with our petitions, to come to him with our sorrows, with our anxieties, and yes, even with our questions knowing that he who desires to hear our prayers does, in fact, hear them. He listens. These prayers don't have to be extravagant. Take Mary, for example, in our text. She simply comes to her Lord and says they have no wine. So we, too, can come to our God and say, I'm sorrowful. I'm needful. Lord, help me. Or anything of the such. And we entrust the rest to his good and gracious hand, knowing that he works all things for the good of those who love him. To return to our text, though, there are six stone water jars that were used for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding about 20 to 30 gallons apiece. Jesus tells the servants to fill the jars up with water, and the servants filled them up to the brim. Here in the stone water jars, we are to see a picture of the law. For our Lord came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And he did so completely. Not a drop was lacking from his fulfillment of the law. It was filled up to the brim. Perfectly. Completely. And that water that was used for the law now becomes Wine, a blessing. The law which had been completely fulfilled in Christ apart from any works of our own is now a blessing to those who believe in him. It is now a joyous thing to desire the ways of God. The psalmist writes, our delight is in the law of the Lord, and we meditate on it day and night. As wine gladdens the heart of man, so too does our following the law of God gladden our hearts. For what child does not desire to keep the law of his own father? It is a delightful thing that we should strive to love God and love our neighbor. It was a desire of our Lord that he would drink the cup of God's wrath the wrath of our unfulfilling of the law, of all of our sins, that he would drink that wrath that we so deserved. Nor that he would fill the cup of our souls, 
fill them up to the brim and that our souls would be overflowing with his blessings of forgiveness. Nothing is lacking. There is not one sin that remains, for there's simply no room left. Our souls have been completely filled, completely cleansed by the blood of Christ. And our Lord is not stingy in giving the abundance of his blessings to us. Often Lutherans are asked why we need forgiveness so often, why we need the pastor to stand up here each and every week and pronounce absolution in response to our confession, why we need the Lord's Supper each and every week for the forgiveness of our sins, why we need even both of them in the same service. But to return to the wedding imagery, if a loving, if a loving husband says, I love you to his wife on his wedding day, and never again, if he just says to her, hey, I'll let you know if anything changes, how would his wife take that? Is that what a loving husband does? No. He showers her in his blessings. He showers her in his love. He says, I love you often and in many and various ways. This is what our Lord does for his bride, the church. He expresses his love in many and various ways, abundantly and often. This miracle of our Lord is the first of his miracles, and it's quite an unusual one at that. After all, he's done many and great other miracles, making the lame walk, restoring sight to the blind, even raising the dead. Why did he choose turning water into wine to start his ministry? Seems like a rather lackluster start. What does this miracle teach us? What do all of his miracles teach us? Think back to the Alleluia that we just sang a few moments ago that is taken from the end of John's Gospel where he writes, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. From this miracle, we are reminded that God is in fact or that Jesus is in fact God in the flesh. For this is why we have the whole season of Epiphany. For the Lord has come, revealed himself to us, and he is making all things new. That is you, that is me, that is creation itself. At the command of the creator, creation itself responds. Water becomes wine. Legs that are too weak begin to walk once more. The blind receive their sight and behold the beauty of God's creation. And the bodies that have been touched by the cold hand of death are embraced once more by the warm and loving arms of the Lord who is over death. He who at the simple word turned water into the finest of wines, finer than anything that would come out of Napa Valley or Temecula or something. 
At those simple words, he turned water into that finest wine. And at that cross, he poured out that wine into our chalice. And this day, he pours that onto your lips. The blood that cleanses you from all of your sins. He delights in you. The one who joined himself, God and man, into the womb of the Virgin Mary has come and joined himself to you in the waters of holy baptism. At the 1030 service, we'll witness that joining with Jack Doran, where he will be clothed with the robe of Christ's righteousness. Our Lord delights in you. And he calls you to this table this day to partake of that same body, that same blood that hung on the cross. Our Lord has seen your sins. He has seen your faults. He has endured all of your questioning of his goodness when you lost one that you loved. He has been there even whenever you wanted nothing to do with him. And brothers and sisters in Christ, he loves you. He not only loves you, he delights in you. He likes you. And he calls you to this table this day and says, come, come and partake of my body that was pierced for you. Come and drink of that blood that was poured out for your forgiveness. The blood that fills the innermost depths of your souls with his blessings that he so abundantly gives to you, his beloved. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.